I'm Brian Wayne, and this week I'll be going over all of the books that were released on the 24th of July 2019, as well as talking about other stuff relevant to the world of comic books. Full disclosure, I do drop spoilers, and sometimes I say naughty language words. Make sure you're cool with all that, and when you get cool with all that, grab yourself a drink, if you're able to, and let's talk comics. Guys, oh, uh, it was a Fun, fun week to be alive if you're a comic book reader. There was some good stuff, and we got a little bit of news. Uh, it's not Comic-Con anymore, so I can include the news back in the show. Um, uh, Tom King back in the news. What do you know? Big fucking surprise. But this is exciting stuff. King and Gerard's, Gerard's, Garrods, however you say it, uh, <laughs> teaming up again. As you do when you win a bunch of fucking Eisners together. So, the last page of Mr. Miracle, supposedly, was hinting at what the next project was the whole time it was in front of our face. When he's sitting there wearing the old uh, Adam Strange shirt, you know, yeah, the end, you remember. Well, Strange Adventures will be Tom King's and Mitch Jared's, Gerard's, uh, next, next team up. That's going to be their next project. Sure. Something to get excited about. I'm sure it'll be good. Uh, when those two work together, it's it's, it's been awesome. And, uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, the even while Tom King was not doing awesome on his Batman for a few issues, they were redeemed on the issues where Gerard stepped in. Uh, that Professor Pig issue, I think it was ex- issue 63, I think is what it was. Could be mistaken on there. Uh, it's within a couple issues of that, but, oh yeah, as weird as the story was, the the art just kills it, so it's just, this is one of those teams, this is a Snyder-Capullo type of team, of uh, a partnership that really should never just, it should never end, they, they do an awesome job, so, for all the people out there that agree with me, Strange Adventures will be their follow up to Mr. Miracle, uh, the only other piece of news that I find Relevant to talk about is the ending of a Marvel title. <sighs> Champions is coming to an end with issue number 10, which I believe is the well, it's the next issue. So very soon, very soon, within a week or two of this day. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, I'm still continuing the tradition of drinking on the Cheers to Comics podcast and this week's beverage of choice is Mama's Little Yellow Pills from Oscar Blues Brewery up in Longmont, Colorado. So, yeah, it's a pilsner. It's golden, it's delicious, and it's perfect. I like it a lot. So, that'll be providing, and this is, well, that'll be where the majority of the slurs come from throughout this podcast. <laughs> and I mean verbal slurs, not racial slurs. Let's talk, let's talk books, shall we? The 24th brought uh, brought us some good stuff. Good, good stuff. The fourth Wednesday of the month. We're going to start out with indies like we traditionally do. Not always does it work out that way, but that's how it's working this week. Farmhand, number 10. Rob Guillory. Taylor Wells. Covered by Rob Guillory. Ah, dude. Farmhand continues to be awesome. And by the way, congratulations. You got yourself a, a, I think it was a, a TV deal. Is what it was, or a movie deal. I know that Gilroy put out a, a, a tweet that said something about uh, fucking uh, him. Farmhand got signed for something, so that's that's good, and it's deserving too. It really is. That's gonna be a. It's got to have a big budget. I would imagine it has a huge. It's gonna have to have a huge budget for what this book and story is. But uh, it's it's well deserving. That's for sure. So, good job, Rob Guillory. Let's talk about issue number 10. So, um, Mayor Thorne, she's she's presenting herself to the public as a good person, as a terrible person usually does. Uh, She's got ulterior motives, and 
yeah, this whole... She's manipulating her way to be able to take over old Jedediah's farm. And that's essentially what this, this book is... And this issue is furthering, as far as that plot goes. So, as Jed lays up in the hospital, still recovering, Thorne's going through and just kind of, uh... Uh, just manipulating everybody to get that old Jenkins farm. So she holds this, this press conference... <clears throat> and, uh, it's, it's her, you know, telling the Freetown Police Department, you know, we're going to protect these transplants, and that's, you know, transplants in air quotes, because of the pun. Uh, get it? <laughs> so, yeah, no, and her whole thing is, oh, yeah, we're going to protect these transplants and find a cure. But that's not what she wants, because actually in the opening pages of this issue, we get this really dark, ominous... Uh, underground, creepy, horrific type of scenario where uh, she's she's clearly manipulating these plant people and with some sort of psychosis via uh, photosynthesis. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's how the science works there. So anyway, Zeke Junkins, he, um, the, the the son of old Jedediah, he does decide he is going to stay on the farm and help out, and he's. He's become their uh, their commercial consultant, or communications consultant, I'm sorry. And he's having this meeting with the FDA, and he's interviewing these transplants. And it's really just, it's a whole PR thing. He's trying to get to know them and uh, find sympathy and blah de blah de blah But while he's doing that, uh, Mara Thorne visits Jed, and uh, Zeke's wife is there. Uh, visiting, and her motive isn't actually to see Jed, it is to get in real nice like with the wife, and she offers her this weird position um, uh, to lead some committee for local business owners and artists and yada yada yada, that whole uh, type of, you get the idea there. So, once again, it's all just building towards uh, manipulation, and I could keep going on with that, because that's uh, what this whole thing is, but, uh, no, I, no I, I guess I do take that back, that's what the whole first 12 pages is, the, it, it does take a fucking sweet, sweet turn towards the end, because as Zeke's leaving the facility after questioning all these people, the police drop off this prisoner, who's also there, you know, to be questioned, because he still, he has got the plant thing going on, and, uh, uh, he says, I don't want a cure. She loves me just the way I am. So you can only imagine who she is. And then he spits fiery sap. <laughs> and his skin starts burning and he runs away. But he does get caught. Um, he gets slapped in the face with a stop sign or something like that. I forget how it happens. It's pretty good, though. And, yeah, so that's setting something up there. And then, really, the, the, the ending is... Uh, revealing the... It's not really much of a reveal, but it's an insight to the the childhood of Zeke and the relationship of old Thorny... Thorny. Thorn. Yeah. So, I really went on hardcore with that one, but it was deserving. And, uh, yeah. No, go go get you some farmhand. It's, it's been amazing. Ten issues. I, w I hope it doesn't take a break. I hope it keeps going super hard. But knowing that it just got a uh, a screen deal, you never know. You never know. Money talks. Let's go on to Middle West. Scotty Young, Jorge Corona, Jean-Francois Buelo. Whew, covered by Jorge Corona. All right, so Abel and Fox, they have been... Uh, cast out from Magdalena's crazy carnival uh, on account of how mad Abel gets and turns into a tornado. <laughs> so they've been cast out into the forest, and they get cornered by these little forest people, and there's a whole bunch of them, and as Abel's getting ready to... He's actually trying trying to bring about this this rage tornado beast thing that he becomes... And Fox has to remind him, like, dude, we're trying to get rid of this, and you're actually trying to bring it on? Uh, take a step back, bro. But before he could actually make the decision himself to say, uh, well, 
uh, one of the woodland people, some sort of leader, the leader of at least this little group, goes up and says, oh, you've got the heart of the storm. Bam. We've got a question answered. That's what that's what this whole thing's called. So this isn't something new. This is something these woodland people are more than familiar with. And that's enough to calm down Abel. But without taking any chances, they blow this little fairy dust in his face. And he goes to sleep. And they take him back to their little facility. And, um, yeah, they're, they're getting ready to answer some questions for him. And it turns out these people are called the Nowaks. So, yeah. Um, but the the questions that he he has, they they have to go to uh, Nokoyuna. Now, this is what opens this story way up. Uh, and we knew there was some some sort of magic involved with this. I mean, obviously, when you get mad and turn into a tornado rage monster. But uh, we we get gods and stuff now, forest gods and stuff, and stuff that hasn't really been introduced at all. So I guess that's what new means, right? I did say it was new. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so this Nokoyuna, this giant bear deer god, says the cure to the heart of the storm is uh, him essentially. He has to con- Abel has to confront his past. And he has to do such a thing in the winter woods. And it's up to Fox to guide him along the way. And we get this pretty sweet, sped-up montage. I actually thought we were going to get three issues before we got to the, the winter woods. But no, we get right up in there at the end. And uh, Fox has to leave him on his own. And the, as he enters the winter woods, the wind blows and it whispers, Grandfather, or something like that. So the hint is the past is actually his dead daddy's dad, or his daddy's dead dad, something like that. Some combination of those words, but you get the point. Uh, meanwhile, old Bobby and Wrench, they're actually wanting, they have found a friendship with Abel, and they feel bad that he's cast out, so they go to try to track him down, but... Um, uh, another book where the character's name is Jedediah or something like that. Jeb. Jebediah in this one. So it's Jedediah in Farmhand and Jebediah in Middle West. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyways. And just, it might be confusing. Back to the book. Jeb stops Bobby and Wrench before they can escape, but not stops them in the manner that you would think. Actually stops and says, hey, check it out. I got the keys to old Magdalena's duster. I don't know what a duster is. Uh, at least I didn't until they showed Bobby speeding off in some sort of mobile of sorts. Yeah, but without wrench. So, uh, it's this is a great issue. It really was. It opened up some stuff, answered question, a little bit of questions, brought new things to light. Um, still don't know what the pink shit is <laughs> throughout this book. At this point, it's just something that you, you just see. It's just a part of stuff. He'll answer it eventually. I can't wait till I get to tell you guys what the pink shit is, because I want to know. Anyways, let's move on to book number three from Boom Studios. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, number 41, Unnecessary Evil tie-in crossover type of thing. Um, so, Ryan Parrott, Daniel De Nicolo, and Winter Biamonte. Jamal Campbell did the cover. This is some, <laughs> this is probably my favorite Power Rangers book I've read so far. So, yeah, spoilers, I, I liked it. Trini, Zach, and Jason, they're off the grid, and they're not exactly being honest with the rest of the Rangers that are back um, home. So, off the grid actually means this place that we call Safe Haven. And what Safe Haven is, it's just this, it's exactly what it sounds like. It, it, I don't know exactly where it is. Um, but it's this place where people, it, it's, it's like home base. You know, when you're playing tag, base, you're safe, you get it. You get the idea. It's called Safe Haven. Jesus Christ. Could you get out with it, Brian? Um, 
Well, we we get this friend that comes up. We get our three rangers, Zach, uh, Jason, and Trini, like I said. But then we get this character called Kaya. And Kaya, she seems to be kind of alien-like, but she is a kick-ass bitch. And we know that, and we'll get to that in a minute. So, uh, after every the four of them gather together, they get this distress call from Z. Uh, and it pages the rangers, and they detect an energy spike, so they go to check it out, because it could be a potential threat. And uh, the ranger's emissary senses danger... And they decide, okay, this is a threat. And then, boom, we get a moment where we get a blue Omega Ranger. Who could that be? That would be, well, fucking Kaya. And she really single-handedly takes down the threat that is Garrison Vox. And this this thing is whooping it ass. Whooping everybody's ass. But, yeah, like I said, um, we, we, we get a great layout of the rangers actually struggling this is something more powerful than they they're really used to dealing with and that really sets up the power that is kaya and admittedly i i mean some of you may know this about me but new listeners obviously do not i only know the original rangers i stopped watching as a kid when the you know, all the the variations came out the time rangers and the uh, the Omega Ranger. I didn't know what any of this was. Fucking to me, this was the first appearance of the Omega Rangers in general. For all I fucking knew. Uh, so, yeah. I, but it just goes to show that you can be new to it and still enjoy it so 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 much. I, I like it. I like it quite a bit. And uh, what it comes down to is after they defeat. I mean, really, the purpose I think of what this issue is actually setting up is the end. Uh, after they defeat Garrison Vox, they give him a choice. They say, hey, bro, why don't you just come to Safe Haven with us, man? We could, like, make you good. And you not want to be evil. And he says, no, fuck you. I'm just evil. <laughs> so they say, okay, well, uh, get into this little bottle, bro. <laughs> and they put him into this jar, and then they show what I believe to be foreshadowing. This in giant, and giant, this giant room, just, it's massive, filled with all of these same types of capsules and jars. Different variations in design, but I'm sure they're all, yeah, they're all essentially prisoners, is what they are. And when you have this giant room full of trapped prisoners, <laughs> you can just imagine if somebody evil were to get in there and open some bottles up, yeah. I dug this book so much, man. Power Rangers has been dope. That was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 41. Well, we're going to go on to... I think we're just going to move right on to Marvel. I know I usually say Marvel for last, but that's not going to be the thing this time. Let's, let's talk Venom, shall we? Web of Venom. Funeral Pyre. This is not a part two. This is just them renaming... or uh, them reusing the title. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, Colin Bunn, Joshua Casada, Alberto Albuquerque, and J. David Ramos, covered by Declan Shelby. Uh, well, this, this book really revolves around one main character, Andy Benton, and she's been having these nightmares, uh, her symbiote, oh, by the way, she used to be Mania. Remember from, what was it? I think she was introduced in issue number three? Was it three? Of, uh, what was it? Lethal Protector, the Venom six-part series? I think that was her first appearance, or Mania's first appearance. So anyways, she, uh, she doesn't have her symbiote even anymore, even though it's still kind of tied to her. Obviously, because that's how symbiotes work. There's always a little piece haunting your brain. Uh, but she's got something called the Hellmark, and she's able to pretty much summon Hellfire and demons and shit. Well, long story short, Carnage is coming after that bitch, because Carnage is coming after anybody that has anything to do with the symbiote. And but right before, uh, as Carnage and Mania are meeting up... Uh, Andy Benton 
sees that her aunt, she was killed by old Cletus Cassidy. That pisses her off. And yeah, she goes and starts spraying hellfire down on Carnage, but she's blown away at the fact that it don't work. Because Carnage is, you know, he he cool with Null now, you know? So, uh, Carnage starts whooping the shit out of her. Just, I actually thought she was dead. Because she gets stabbed through the fucking stomach and all this other stuff. And it, I mean, it looks, it looks like final fucking panels for shout. But that's not what happens. Uh, her hell mark is able to teleport her away before Carnage can kill her. And her mission now is to... Go track down Eddie Brock and warn him that Carnage be coming, yo. Um, yeah, no, nah, it's the the Web of Venom books have been great. I've missed one. That was it. I've only missed one. But uh, was it a super important book? Probably not. Uh, but at the same time, I'm sure there's. I mean, the events of this are going to reference future events and the absolute carnage thing. I know it's... I know it probably doesn't mean a whole lot now. It's the reintroduction of a character. But... Yeah, no, it all, it all makes sense. It's worth reading, that's for sure. Colin Bunn does a great job. Let's, uh... Let's continue on. So, I put out a Twitter poll that I've been doing lately on your most anticipated Marvel book of the week. This was a landslide. House of X. Number one of six. Jonathan Hickman, Pepe Larraz, and Marte Garcia. Those two also did the cover. <sighs> Alright. Nothing that we know about the X-Men matters now. This is a complete reboot, retelling. This is not something I'm going to go in on great detail. I'm going to give you the important key parts as to what's happening. Because there's nobody out there, I don't, I don't think, that at least that doesn't work for Marvel, that could actually explain this uh, confidently and knowledgeably. Because really, this is all brand new shit. And, oh man, is it something else. So, the island Krakoa. It is pretty much a mutant refuge island. And its main resource are these flowers. And these flowers are so much ways in on these flowers. These flowers have chemical reactions different to humans and mutants. Both very, very, very... Um, beneficial. So, if a human were to ingest these flowers, and there's three different forms, and the way that they're produced for humans is in a pill form. Uh, there's pill L, pill I, and pill M. Pill L extends life for five years. Yeah. Uh, pill I is a super antibiotic. Yeah. Uh, pretty fucking heavy, right? And then pill M... Cures diseases of the mind. So, Alzheimer's, uh, yeah, all of that stuff. All of that stuff. Uh, so, the mutants, it's not necessarily taken in pill form. Uh, for all I know, they snort that shit. <laughs> but, uh, these flowers open up gateway, or so there's three keywords. Now, when you're going through this book, Hickman opens up this... Uh, every couple of pages, we pretty much get a textbook type of scenario where he pretty much lays out the rules, if you will. And this is where I got my information on the human drugs. Because it's not... Or, I mean, on the, the, the flowers that happen in Krakoa. Or Krakoa? Krakoa? I'm not sure. Uh, but, yeah. So, uh, with the mutants... So we got three keywords here: gateways, habitat, and no place. So gateways refer to. Uh, so uh, all right, you you plant a flower, and then you plant a, that flower's air quote twin somewhere else, and a mutant should be able to go from flower to flower, if that makes sense, uh, via a gateway. And we got habitat. 
meaning it, it provides a self-sustaining environment. And no place is a habitat that exists outside of the collective. And it's they say they 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 say tumor is a keyword in there. I don't know what that means, but apparently it's not very favorable. But I'm sure it has its benefits in some sort of way. So what Xavier's doing? Yes, Xavier. He is using these flowers as leverage over the the world's governments and mainly the United States and they want to he wants Krakoa to be recognized as a nation of its own. Men are not welcome there, but uh, there is an ambassador visiting Krakoa, and Magneto is acting as the ambassador for the mutants. So, hmm, yeah, Magneto, he's there. But he's actually doing more intimidating than anything, and he drops this whole new gods type of uh, threat, maybe? I don't know. This is all just a bunch of questions, but for an issue one, it, it, it's it's crazy. Mile High Comics, they ordered 100 issues, and in 40 minutes, in 40 minutes they were sold out. And I mean, they ordered 100 issues for the shelves. That doesn't include the pre-orders. So, it's, it's fucking insane, man. People, whew, I watched a guy almost go into tears because he didn't get this book because nobody oh. people just have good things to say about it I think people are excited the X-Men are here and we got Powers of 10 coming soon ooh loudy good stuff guys good stuff we've got another Marvel number one Jane Foster Valkyrie number one Jason Aaron L. Ewing Kefu and Jesus Arbutov. Well, covered by Mohammed Ashrar. I'm never going to say that right. Ashrar. And Matthew Wilson. So we know that Jane Foster is now the Vulcan. The Vulcan. Good lord. The Valkyrie. <laughs> Her weapon is called Undron, I believe is how you would say that. And it's kind of this all weapon type of situation. I don't need to get into the details of how all that happened. Go back and read War of the Realms. Her hammer got smashed and it reformed. That's what happened. Uh, so we've got this new aspect called Valkyrie Vision, where she kind of pretty much has Heimdall type of vision, but better, it seems. And you'll know that once she's dealing with Heimdall and she sees something that even Heimdall can't, and it gets him killed, but we'll, or at least stabbed really hard. And we'll get to that in a second. That's at the end of the book. But before we get all of that, she's fighting the Fast Five. And that's the, it's so cheesy, but it's purposefully cheesy. And the characters' names are Gold Rush, Silver Ghost, Green Light, Red Line, and Blue Streak. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and they're all about the social media puns and... Whew. Whew. But, like I said, it's all on purpose. It's to make you dislike them. Well, Gold Rush has this gold armor that's supposedly impenetrable, but it got penetrated so hard that it died. <laughs> um, and, yeah, yeah, so all that's going on while Valkyrie's Valkyrieing. Well, after she takes care of them, uh, she's demoted at work, and then, because she's a doctor. And she's demoted to pretty much being a, a, a mortician. And when she goes down there to be a morgue's assistant, mortician's assistant, her first body or corpse is a stabbed up gold rush. And she didn't do that. So now her mission is to seek out who could have possibly done that. Well, she goes to fucking Valhalla and we see all... Um, uh, what, what was her name? Brunhilda? Yeah, that's a, that's her name. Cause when in Valhalla, you know, that's that's a whole thing. And when when you're, yeah. So if you're an Asgardian and you die, you're not really dead because you could still be revisited in Valhalla. So bam. So we see Brunhilde again. Brunhilde, however you say it. And she explains, look, it was a dragon fang that fucked up that armor and gold rush. 
And this dragon fang is no bullshit, and whoever has it could really fuck some shit up. So now the mission is to find out who this is. So let's go to Heimdall. Heimdall knows everything. He's back to being all-seeing, or at least he's healing. And yeah, so back to what I said about him getting stabbed. That motherfucker that stabs him is Bullseye, and he comes riding in on a fucking unicorn. Or a pegasus, <laughs> I mean. And he's got the dragon fang, and nah. So you get the idea here. I'm actually surprised. I mean, it's never a surprise that a, uh, a Jason Aaron book is good. It's never a surprise. But I didn't think I'd be attached to this particular story or character and want to go on to issue number two. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to continue on because I really, really dug that. And I like the fact that Bullseye's on a Pegasus <laughs> with this weapon that can just destroy everything. So... Yeah. More Marvel. <coughs> Doctor Strange, number 16, Legacy 406. Mark Wade, Barry Kitson, Scott Koblish, and Brian Reber. Cover by uh, Jesus Saez. So, we know that Galactus is just fucking everybody up, huh? And, well... Uh, uh, there's a lot of people are dying is what it comes down to. Strange takes off for a second and says, I'm going to get reinforcements. I forget who he's talking to. Is it his wife? I think it's his ex-wife that he's saying that to. He knows that she's capable of at least defending herself or being able to survive. In the meantime, while, while he's gone, well, Strange comes back as motherfuckers are dying. And, uh... Uh, the, the the biggest one, while Strange is gone, actually, is we get this character, Satanish. And this this character was created by Dormammu. And power more powerful than Dormammu. And we get this moment for a second where we get this false installment of hope. Where Galactus and Satanish are going off. And Galactus just eats him. Fucking, you, you think for a second, oh shit, Galactus might, yeah, nope. No, Galactus eats him. And then Strange comes back, and he comes back with everybody. This whole army. Anybody that can pretty much survive in space. And we got everyone from the Hulk to Silver Surfer just out there fucking shit up, huh? Well, not really. <laughs> not, not enough, at least. And we all get these moments where, you know, Surfer goes after Galactus for a second. Done for. Uh, we get a cool couple pages of him dying. Uh, Gladiator. Uh, we get this moment. Another severe false instillment of hope uh, with Gladiator. They say even say for a second for the first time Gladiator uh, Galactus is stumbled. This is the most powerful mortal that Galactus has ever faced. Nope. Just eats him. <laughs> that doesn't take long. And then uh, Strange used to get the idea, or at least uh, there's an indication that Strange's wife realizes there might be this ulterior motive to Strange bringing upon this army. And, he, and then we all realize that Strange knew that none of these people could survive Galactus. All of them were meant to be eaten. And how fucked up is that? But why would he do that? Strange isn't bad. But is he? He's the Herald of Galactus right now. Is this all on purpose? <sighs> well, yes. And for the greater good. The idea is, is that Galactus would consume so much, he would essentially pop. And, well, that happens. And he overloads, but it doesn't work out in the way that Strange would hope. Everything just goes all white. All white. And Strange is there just in this abyss of nothingness fucking dark and deep man this is that was a beautiful beautiful story just when of course they announced that Doctor Strange is coming to an end and then they pop off some shit like that not that Doctor Strange has been bad by any means it should keep going I like it a lot there's been a, a couple of issues that weren't as exciting as others but nevertheless I, I didn't expect to keep on five issues of this and what are we at 16 I think they're going to end at 20 is what I what I understood. I, I, I could be wrong about that, too. But, yeah. Uh, more Marvel. Guardians of the Galaxy, number 7. Legacy, 157. Donny Cates, Corey Smith, David Carriol, covered by David Marquez and Dean White. Well, Quill and 
gang get a distress message, and it turns out it's coming from his father. Yeah, that's a big deal. Uh, we, we get this, before all that, we, we get a cool scene where the Nova Corps are pretty much wiped out as an entirety, and with no effort whatsoever by the Universal Church of Truth. So yeah, then we get the distress message from the father, and in that message, the father, uh, the Quill's father, he, he he did, and it makes Quill say, "Charter course, we're gonna go fuck up this Universal Church tooth, bro." Uh, and they go and they teleport onto the ship, but when they do, they see that the patriarch of the Universal Church of Truth was actually the father the whole time. Ah, it was a trap, or was it? turns out really the, the the father was trying to lure Quill there and he's more than welcome on the ship and yeah yeah but this this church of truth is actually from the future so there's there's a lot of stuff opening up here but the end part is the biggest part if you look at the cover of this book cover a you see a a rocket raccoon paw all bloody smearing against a window well at the end Hyper spoiler, we see Rocket ready to go into fucking battle mode. And it's looking like for possibly one last time because he's all hooked up to IVs and shit. So th there's, uh, there's so much I don't understand about this, to be honest, because he was on the ship. Oh, by the way, uh, <laughs> Groot won a, a new ship in a card game or something like that. Hmm, where did that come from? And they named the ship the Bowie. So there was a moment where Gamora says, can it be a dude's named ship? And I was, at first I was like, ah, do we, come on, man. He wants girls' names for his ship. You could keep it that way. But when they go with the Bowie, that's fucking dope. I hope they hang on to the Bowie forever. Yeah, so Rocket is not looking good. And Quill has daddy issues again and yeah we got a guardians of the galaxy book gotta dig it man gotta dig it tony stark iron man number 14 legacy 614 dance lot gems of valerio skeety and covered by inyuk lee so it's looking like uh we got a new cover artist for iron man and uh, Alexander Lozano killed it for the first th 13 issues. I think it was th he did all 13 of the first ones. But to have Lee and Yuck on covers now? Oh, boy. Man, this is... Uh. And you know what? Iron Man is back. This this issue was great. I, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Now that we got our team back. And I hope Jim Zub continues to co-write. Let's talk about this story. Tony's dealing with his alcoholism. And the aftermath of all of the Eastscape stuff that happened. Uh, he had a drink while he was in the Eastscape, and it triggered his alcoholism. Well, his solution to that is just wiping his fucking memory. Well, when he does that, that, that sets up something potentially harmful. And that potentially harmful scenario could be Spymaster breaking into uh, Stark Unlimited. And stealing Tony Stark's memories. Yeah, because of course he backs him up. Well, when one has access to Tony Stark's memories, you also have codes and all this other stuff. So he hijacks Iron Man's suit while Tony's in it and makes him fight Captain Marvel. Uh, this is kind of a buddy cop type of book between Captain Marvel and Tony Stark, Iron Man. Throughout this, I really think this is damage control because Captain Marvel and Iron Man, they're not so friendly on account of the Civil War II aftermath and her putting her fist through his chest. So I, this is, I think this is more of a relationship-building type of uh, story, or at least that's, that's what I got out of it, but I actually liked it because... I don't want to dislike a character. And because of Civil War 2, I dislike Captain Marvel as a character. Has nothing to do with the fucking political goddamn bullshit. Brie Larson, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's the fact that Civil War Two was my reintroduction back into comics again, and uh, Captain Marvel was a fucking cunt in it. So that's what's going on there. So I think this is trying to rebuild that that situation. Well, they do defense. They 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 do end up beating Spy Master and. Really what it comes down to is Captain Marvel says, you know, you should probably just re-upload your memories and deal with your alcoholism like a fucking goddamn adult and go back to being my sponsor again and because Captain Marvel's a fucking alcoholic too. So, yeah. But throughout all of this, we're also touching on more Arno Stark and what's her name? Sunshine something, Sunrise, whatever her name is. And Jocasta goes to Arno and says, I want an upgrade. And, yeah, you can imagine what kind of upgrade that motherfucker's gonna give her. Knowing the relationship between Jocasta and Tony Stark and all, so. The fact is that I, I actually, this has probably been my favorite issue of Iron Man since uh, Slot's taken over. And that that's, uh, I, I, ho- I really hope it continues to be like this throughout. If, if it didn't, and I, I actually... You might have to give credit to Jim Zub for directing Slot in in an iron more Iron Manny type of direction because it wasn't feeling like Iron Man at first. It really wasn't, at least in my opinion. Who am I to say though? The only Iron Man that I've really been reading is Brian Michael Bendis's. So yeah, maybe there's a bias there. There's definitely a bias there, but it's getting fixed. That's all I got for Marvel. Let's talk about the few DC books I got here. Batman Beyond number 34, Dan Jurgens, Rick Leonardi, Andy Parks, and Chris Sotomayor. Chris Samney and Matthew Wilson did this cover. So, Bruce is trying to uh, regain his memory back after the whole false face incident. And Terry's off being Batman. But if you remember the the weird pages at the end of issue number 33, we get an indication that maybe Terry's not himself. And that's exactly what's really going on here. Um, I mean, it's 20 pages of them teasing the fact that Terry's not Terry now. But Terry not being Terry is not the same as Bruce not being Bruce. They're they're very different. I mean, so now we've got a Batman... False face, and false face is uh, going after split, but it's not really going after split. More of a recruitment type of situation, and yeah, you see, it's, I I don't need to go on and on about Batman Beyond because it's been consistently amazing since I picked it up at issue twenty four. Uh, and by the way, that that trade for twenty four to I think thirty is out as of last week. And that's the the death in the family type of retelling, if you will. Oh, fuck, Batman Beyond has been incredible, man. It really has been. And issue number 34 is no exception. Detective Comics number 1008. Uh, once... Oh, man, so fucking good. Uh, the the Spectre arc was only two issues. It's real quick and fast. I'm not sure how they're going to manipulate that one into a trade. That might be have to be one... Huh? Did I just say that sentence wrong? I definitely said that sentence wrong. It's going to be... Ha- uh, try again. <laughs> I told you. The fucking Oscar Blues, man. This old mama's little yellow pills. Doing stuff to me. Um, So, the Spectre arc... Is probably going to have to be read in issue form, sought out in issue form, because it was only two. And I think that was just really getting ready to set up Tomasi and Menke and Jaime Mendoza and Dave Barron for a pretty incredible art coming up. Or maybe this is going to be another mini one too. I don't know. I really don't know. The fact is, is the fucking Detective Comics has been awesome. Joker has a theme park. That's nothing new, right? Terrorizing the shit out of it. He's got all the people in there pretty much held captive. Batman shows up as he does. But when he shows up, he's forced to join in the fun. Because all of the 
The patrons of this carnival have been... They have this bomb detonator device implanted into their collars. Uh, or, or wherever, the closest place to a collar, I guess. <laughs> but I think they specifically say collar in here. Could be wrong. Uh, but, uh... You know, so Batman, he's going along all the rides and everything. And as he's doing that, he's detectivizing. And in his detectiving... He's able to find the collar trigger and disable it. Joker gets away via a whole handful of balloons. Because, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's the Joker, right? But Batman um, somehow, I don't know how it happens. I, I totally missed something here. But a whole bunch of bats, they pop a bunch of the balloons. Joker falls into the river, ocean. I don't, is... The lake? Is Gotham on the the ocean? Jesus, how do I not know that? I should know that. Yeah, but it's... I mean, it was a great fucking detective comics book, man. Like I keep saying, it's... You gotta get you some of that. But the actual end page is referring more to... Some of the Year of the Villain stuff. We get a visit of Victor Freeze by Lex Luthor. And says, hey... I make your wife alive again, bro. So, yeah. More Year of the Villain tie-in stuff at the final page. Just like every other DC comic that's been happening lately. So, Go read Detective Comics. I took way too long to hop on. I jumped on in 998. So what am I, uh, fucking 10 issues now? 10 issues of Detective Comics. And they've all been dope as fuck. 1006 threw me off because I wasn't familiar with Spectre. But after 1007, I appreciated 1006 so much more. So, yeah, get you some. Uh, the most anticipated book of the week came down to Batman Curse of the White Knight. Sean Murphy, Matt Hollingsworth. This is part two of the White Knight book. Um, Murphy and Hollingsworth did cover A as well. Alright, now you do have to be very familiar with the events of White Knight to understand this book, to be fair. But with that being said, and all of that knowledge all up in your craniums, when reading this book, you know that something, oh, it's gonna be fucking huge. Starts out with the Joker, he escapes his cell. Jack Napier, back to being the Joker. He escapes his new cell, but the majority of this book follows old Jean Paul, who, uh, as you will find out if you are not aware, is Azrael. And the person guiding Jean Paul throughout this whole time is the Joker, giving the, 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 the sword to Jean Paul to become Azrael once again. It's, uh, and the target is, the whole idea is to kill Bruce Wayne, or Batman. So, yeah, they know. Or, yeah, yeah, no, they know. So, it's, uh, (laughs) I know with this being the the Twitter pick of the week via my poll, I'm sure a lot of you wanted me to go a lot more in-depth on this. But that, that is essentially what this book is. It, it's just the Joker. He escapes his cell. And he gives Jean-Paul the sword so he could be Azrael to kill Bruce Wayne. It's an issue number one. So it's it's they did a good job of saying it's, there'll be a lot more to talk about. <laughs> that, and uh, will they go eight issues again? I'm pro- I, would, I would imagine so. I would imagine they do eight issues again. That was a good number. It was a solid number for White Knight. So, uh, Curse of the White Knight is back, y'all. It is back. Now, let's... that, that the, That's my overviews for any nudie reader. Nudie? <laughs> for any nudie readers? Uh, get your webcams out. For any new readers out there, I think I'm fairly confident in saying that the last 49 minutes or so have given you enough to want to go or at least interest you in heading out to a store picking up a book reading the shit out of it enjoying the hell out of it 
And, uh, yeah, even on the spoilers that I gave, I, I still left enough information out there, I believe, to make you have that desire to see how all of that stuff comes about. Because this is a podcast, and half of comic books is illustrating, and illustrating and podcasting don't really work so good. So, <laughs> it's up to you to witness the other half of all that. But that, I, I did read much more than that, much more than that, and I picked up much more. And there's other stuff, other re- other comic books to pick up for other reasons besides just the stories and all that for speculative reasons and yada yada yada. And with that, I transition into the honorable mention segment. Now these are the books that yeah, I, either I'm going to set aside to read in bulk or. Maybe there just wasn't enough to talk about, or yeah, some sort of reason that it's not an overview. But I still bought it. So let's start out with DC Comics, Martian Manhunter number 7 of 12, Steve Orlando. I read the first few issues of this, and I, uh, well, I realized that I want to read it all at once. Because it's a maxi-series, so it's something that you could just wait to come to an end and... Yeah, because it was fucking crazy is what it is. It's super fucking crazy. Totally worth picking up. Uh, Justice League Dark number 13. Uh, James Tenney the fourth. Unfortunately, this uh, Lords of Chaos arc isn't really doing it for me. Uh, I feel like it's every other arc, personally, for me, that, that's, that attracts me when it comes to Justice League Dark. I enjoy the characters, I enjoy the camaraderie, Satana's the shit. Uh, fucking Professor, I mean, Detective Chimp and Swamp Thing, that whole buddy cop situation has been amazing. But sometimes it's just a little wordy for me, and I just, I just want to see Bobo swing a sword, <laughs> is what it comes down to. I don't need 3,900 words on one page of Man Bat explaining magic science. So, I'm skipping this arc after reading the f- or at least the last two issues of this arc. And I'm waiting for the next one. So, that's why it's in honorable, honorable mentions. Action Comics, number 1013. Essentially, it's the same idea. I, I did go through and skim through it and realize that it's still... I don't like the action comics event Leviathan stuff that's happening. Too much Amanda Waller for me, personally. Um, Marvel Comics. Magnificent Miss Marvel number 5. I did go through and read this. This is a key issue. We got a whole new Miss Marvel costume. It was great. Uh, it, it really was a good issue. I just couldn't really pinpoint... Um, any key talking points other than what I just said, Miss Marvel gets a new costume. And her babu has the cancer. So, yeah. Saladin Ahmed's been a, doing a great job with this character. I have been enjoying Miss Marvel for the first time ever. I can say that. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes the, the book's just... <laughs> It's it's a lot happening, but or it's it's really just one thing happening throughout twenty pages for the is what the majority of this series has been. So yeah, um, but no, go out and read Miss Marvel. History of the Marvel Universe number one, Mark Wade, Javier Rodriguez with Alvaro Lopez. Read the first five pages and realized that. This isn't going to be necessarily something that I could talk about on a podcast without really dedicating an entire episode to because it's deep. It is the history of the entire Marvel Universe. It really is. And it's done in the, it's done so well. The art is amazing. They, they touch on just about everything. But I knew that if I were to get into this, I, I, I could spend no less than 15 minutes. And anything less than that would just not be doing this book justice. So, um, I'm going to go through and reread it and finish it. And if this is something that actually is going to have another issue to it, which I'm not aware If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But if it does, all the better, because I will actually dedicate an entire podcast to it. But, like I said, I have to go through and reread it to be certain of that. It's good. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 26, Dick Spencer, has been consistently making the honorable mentions. I, I, I buy Amazing Spider-Man because you don't 
not by Amazing Spider-Man if you're a Marvel comic reader and collector. Even with the other 5 to 32 other Spider-Man titles out there to choose from, you really got to have the the main Amazing Spider-Man title. Or at least I believe so as a collector. And not necessarily as a uh, as a reader, but as a collector at least. So, not to I don't want to pressure anybody into thinking that I have to be buying this book. By no means do I want to. I want to I don't want to make this an intimidating hobby, guys. So, this is a boomerang Peter Parker type of situation happening. And yeah, it was it was it was okay. It was a Spider-Man book. I don't there just wasn't enough importance to, important information to talk about. That's what it came down to. Uh, Fearless number one, a whole slew of characters on account of I think it's four different stories going on here, three or four, all evolving or revolving around different female superhero leads. Um, yeah, uh, I read the first few pages and realized that this was not going to be my book, even though you know just a couple more pages and it's a whole new creative team and a whole new character to go around. I just knew that it wasn't going to be my book uh give me just give me a force just do that but i i don't know if the, has marvel lost the rights to a force or something because yeah no i'm not i'm not gonna go on a rant uh, sword master number one uh i'm i guess i'm just grateful that the spine of this book is on the left is what it comes down to don't bring manga into the marvel universe in my opinion i don't like it I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't like it. I don't know who Swordmaster is, I don't care about Arrow, I don't care about these characters. How about you just give me fucking Shang-Chi or something? I think Shang-Chi uh, is in this, but I don't know. I picked it up for speculative reasons is what it comes down to. Because when something like that happens and it's a number one, and it's you, you understand where I'm going with that. You don't, ha- you don't have to be into comics to know why. Uh, my indie comics honorable mentions. Hmm, Crucified number two from Scout Comics. I got uh, I got my Crucified number one. I got to read it, and it was a dope. Got my Crucified number two. I read it, and it was a different kind of dope. Uh, it's something that I feel like it, I I just couldn't do it justice trying to to overview it. And this, well, it's setting up. A whole bunch of stuff, and I and I don't know what it is. I really don't, but I know that I'm going to like it because I like the grittiness of this comic. It is so fucking gritty, man. I dig it quite a bit. From Archie Comics, Archie vs. Predator, two, number one of five. Uh, it was. It's exactly. I mean, picture an Archie vs. Predator book. And this is what it is. It's Betty and Veronica, and uh, it's it's the horror, Archie horror universe trying to be established is what's going on as a as a separate entity. I believe. I believe we got the blossoms and we got the Archie and the Predator. Uh, I I dug it. I did. I just didn't know what to talk about other than, I mean, it's it's an Archie comic, guys. My last book for the honorable mention segment goes to Dark Horse. I collect everything comic book aliens. So we've got Aliens Rescue number one. This is spinning off of the last. I think Aliens Resistance was the last Aliens mini series. Still gotta go through and read that now that it's all done. But it, I think it wrapped up at the same time a couple other minis wrapped up, or uh, yeah, or I got some trades and I wanted to read the trades. Whatever, uh, Aliens. Whether I read it or not, I gotta have it because. Aliens. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there were some honorable mentions, for sure. But the, by no means was that all of the books that hit the shelves. So just because I didn't talk about it doesn't mean it's not good. Sometimes stuff flies over the radar, or under the radar. And, you know, comics do actually cost money. So I don't buy stuff unless I want it. <laughs> so, yeah. No, there's more out there is the point of what I'm... Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get on to... The wall books, if you will. The wall books are all the stuff. It's the covers is what it is. It's the pretty shit. The stuff that you can hang on your wall. Don't have to open up. Put it in a frame. 
all that good stuff. Uh, it's carnageized season, but there were only a couple this week. Guardians of the Galaxy number seven got a carnageized cover. And, oh, you know what? I forgot to look to see who did it. So bear with me as I go through this. I'm going to flip pages. Um, the, the the cover is Punk Rock Group and Carnageized Rocket. It's fucking dope, guys. It's fucking dope. Uh, Giuseppe Camicoli and Jean-Francois Boileau did the cover. Holy fuck. I should have recognized that, that coloring from Middle West. It, it, it's, it's a good... It's a good one for sure. Not the strongest of all the Carnageized covers, but by far not the weakest. Uh, I actually like seeing the entire symbiote enveloping both of these characters instead of just kind of barely clinging on. I want to see fully Carnageized, and that's what this is. Uh, the other Carnageized cover this week went to Tony Stark Iron Man number 14. This was a much more cartoony version of a Carnageized cover, I would say. Uh, I would expect just a little bit more, to be honest, but at the same time, I still, it still has its uniqueness as a Carnageized cover is to, uh, to be appreciated. Sorry, my words. And, you know, uh, Pascal Ferry and Chris Sotomayor, they did the cover there. It's, it's unique, for sure. Uh, the the red in Iron Man's suit blends in perfectly with the the red of, you know, the Carnage symbiote. So, yeah, no, it, it works well. It does. I, I, I think it's just the pose is what it comes down to. I'm not a fan of the pose, personally. So, not to take away from the art at all. The last wall book of the week was not a Carnageized cover. Oh, but it was it shiny. The... Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 41, one of those variants, the shiny foil Red Ranger cover here. I've got the, the, the White Ranger one now, and I've got the Red Ranger one. Who did this cover? Let's see. Uh, Goni, Goni Montez did this cover. Fucking good, man. Sure freaking good. So only three wall books this week, but they're heavy hitters. And I'm not mad when it's a small wall book week because you know, I, I, I only have so much wall. <laughs> I don't like retiring books. I like to keep looking at them. So yeah, that's, that's all I got for the wall books. Before I wrap all of this up, I want to go over just my personal top picks of the week. There were, there were some good ones, man. As it, was, it was tough to choose. It, it really was. But I'm going to start out with I'm going to start out with interiors this week. Usually I start out with the cover, but I'm going to start out with interiors. and I get, it, it just has to go with House of X. It really did. It was, for being an introduction issue, they really, really gave, gave me confidence in the fact that this is going all, not just going to be a mind-blowing uh, Jonathan Hickman tale, but it's Pepe Larraz killing it on the interiors. I, I, it was amazing. And there were some really good interiors to be had. I, I, I mean, honestly, I don't think I was disappointed with anything on the interior this week. Now that I think about it, well, yeah. Uh, cover of the week. This one was tough. The the Carnageized covers didn't come as heavy as I would hope they were. Uh, all of the other covers, they were fucking. They were good. There's no no bad cover this week at all. Nothing really, really stood out except for the Power Rangers cover. That motherfucker just, it, oh, it hits you in the eye. It really does. It hits you in the eye. Uh, especially if there's any type of sunlight happening on account of the foiliness. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you get the point. You get the point. So my cover of the week does go to uh, Boney and your shiny, shiny Red Ranger. My overall pick of the week uh, everything was good. There, uh, all, it, w it was at least good. Some stuff was awesome. Detective Comics was dope. Fucking House of X was amazing. I, I liked Web of Venom quite a bit. But Doctor Strange, the way that came about <laughs> was so fucking good. 
I was actually there was it was a no brainer. As soon as I put that book down halfway through my reading stack, I knew that nothing was going to top this book. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Grant. Yeah, and I. To be fair, I did already read House of X beforehand, so I mean, I. I probably if I, if that wouldn't have happened, I would have said, "Well, we'll see what House of X does." <laughs> and yeah, but no. After the point is, is that Doctor Strange fucking killed it, man. Good job, Mark Wade. That was, oh, dude. I don't, I don't, I don't know where it's gonna go from there. I don't. Uh, it's sad that it's ending, though. It really is. So yeah, no. That's uh, that's all I got for you. For your nerds, you comic freaks, I hope you've enjoyed the show. You guys know where to listen. Uh, well, I'm going to state again that, uh, yes, I'm taking a break from the, the visuals, the video, YouTube, for just a little bit. Just a little bit. Because I have so much stuff on deck that I want to make sure that I don't spend the time that I could be using to do interviews and other shows uh, to just edit stuff that I've already recorded so <laughs> yeah you see where i'm going there uh but i do thank you all for tuning in you guys have been amazing uh, all the new listeners i hope you've enjoyed the show here to keep you informed i'm brian wayne this is the cheers to comics podcast cheers fuckers all right for all you podcast nerds out there i'd like to remind you real quick and fast so you can get paid to actually listen to podcasts yeah you heard me right go to uh your google play store your android store wherever you get your apps and download an app called podcoin and you can actually earn money real money gift cards all that good stuff starbucks target all that good stuff as you listen to podcasts and all you have to do is listen you don't have to do anything special but i can get you started right off the bat by entering promo code comics after you download the app and uh we'll just hook you up with 300 coins right off the bat start earning immediately and it's not just Cheers to Comics on there. All your other favorite podcasts are on there as well. So as soon as you're done listening to the latest episode of this podcast, go over and listen to all your other favorites and continue to earn. So use promo code COMICS, download the app, and yeah, get yourself some money. You could also donate to charity as well. So whether it's for kids or animals or whatever, you can do all that good stuff. So feel good about yourself listening to a podcast.